Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. In this podcast, we'll explore the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. This season, we'll be hearing the stories of addiction and recovery from sober gays from all over the world. Every story of recovery is unique in its own way, and every story deserves to be heard. So let's go. Before we get started, a disclaimer. In this episode, Hunter and I talk very candidly about explicit drug use, as well as sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. I'm your host, Dave. As of the recording of this podcast, I have three years of continuous sobriety. On this episode, we welcome Hunter. He gave up everything on 8-20-21, a little over two weeks after his 21st birthday. He went to jail sober. He left everything behind and started a whole new life on the East Coast. He considers himself very brave and persistent, or something along those lines. Please welcome Hunter. Hey, Hunter, and welcome to the pod. Hey, how are you? Very good. It's great to have you. So let's have you start out by telling us your name, preferred pronouns, and a little bit about yourself. Hunter, he, him. Um, I come from Salt Lake City, or I lived in Salt Lake City, Utah before moving to Philadelphia. Um, but I also have like a shitload of siblings. So, Oh, wow. Big family. Very cool. All right, so why don't you take us through your sobriety journey? Start us at the very beginning with your first drinking and using experience and bring us all the way up till now. All right. Um, so my first drinking, uh, I did smoke weed before this. I just, I had moved out at 17 at my, in my own apartment and uh, some coworkers and I, we like wanted to celebrate. And uh, I remember we got this disgusting blue raspberry svedka and we were playing like basically beer pong but i was just drinking the vodka out of the bottle <laughs> they end up like getting this huge fight as uh, lesbian couple um and i end up getting like super super sick and they take me to go get burger king to kind of like try to like sober me up it was like automatically pretty chaotic and um, they were calling their mom being like i think he's got alcohol poisoning what do we do he's underage we're underage like all this stuff and um i remember uh, i had to go to work the next day i put on hand sanitizer that smell of alcohol hit me when they sent me home they're like it was it's so funny because looking back i was like i thought i had accomplished something i thought that i was like a real adult after all of this stuff was going on following that i uh Get into like my pretty much my only relationship. Um, and this guy does a lot of weed and it kind of works out for a little while until it doesn't. Um, there was no, seems like the relationship really wasn't all that serious. Uh, it was just he had weed at the end of the day. I look back and that's pretty much all I can think of. And, um, that, uh, that relationship ends after like nine months and like six of those months living together. Um, barely 18 at the time um this apartment that i was staying at with him and a friend of ours uh was well above what i could afford and um when he left and we broke up i my roommate um 
and started looking to go back to school, wanted to move in with her parents, wanted to move out and leave me with the rent. And I sort of actively after that kind of thought like, well, I obviously like I, this is this is a sinking ship I'm going down yeah. on. And I need to get some help. So I started to look uh, for people that could help lift me out of this situation. And I bumped into this guy on Instagram. He's a massage therapist. I go get a massage from him. Um, later on, I try acid like a week later. And I tell him about that. And he's like, well, if you liked acid, you'll love ecstasy. And uh, so that's kind of where it all began. Um, I My first time doing ecstasy, I did a whole lot of other drugs. Um, and uh, that took up a big chunk of my life for a little while. They bailed me out of all these different messes that I would create. Um, and I ended up moving in with them while living with them. Things got very, very chaotic, very quickly. Um, and I was, I was using drugs. So I was completely blind, um, maybe even oblivious, um, to the fact that things were getting bad mm-hmm. and, uh, it went down like that for a couple of years, just being at this point in time, I was entirely dependent on them. Uh, I ended up quitting my job, was working to go to school uh, for massage therapy. They introduced me to other things, and I ended up picking up my drug of choice um, in October 2020. Um, I think, so I did it once before, but the day I like, officially picked up and did not put it down was Halloween 2020. <laughs> Come Thanksgiving, uh, the people that I'm staying with, uh, there's a lot of physical and sexual violence going on, and... Thanksgiving, they tell me, you got to go somewhere else. So I move out. They pay for the first six months of my like trailer park I'm in. But this time that I'm like living on my own, I'm addicted to hard drugs and can't seem to get off of it. By, I think, January, I left school, um, slash therapy school. I um, My lease was ending in June. And uh, I was just kind of watching from January to June, everything kind of unravel fall apart um become homeless in that process i stole a lot collected a few charges um on father's day uh, i ended up take, uh, taking my dad's car to go get high and i didn't know it was father's day i had no idea what day it was at all fourth of july i had gone to my mom's she tried to help me and I ended up leaving her place, and I didn't come back uh, from that until August 20th, 2021. Almost a whole year, and my life got pretty bad. I was less mm-hmm. than 100 pounds. I don't remember the exact number. My mom had taken me when she came to help me to go get my license photo. It uh, didn't look good. It didn't look like me at all. Um, I remember her saying to me, she's like, you don't even look like somebody I recognize right now. And uh, that really started to light a fire a little bit to that there was a problem. I think I had already had some awareness that there was a problem. I was just like denying or thinking like, oh, I can handle this. I've handled a lot. Grew up in a very traumatic household. And so all these traumatic events didn't seem too out of the ordinary up until a certain point. On my last day, I bumped into this guy on Grindr 
and he used uh, some heroin, fentanyl, and mm-hmm. fell asleep. And I used the rest of his whatever uh, uppers he had. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, when he woke up, he was upset, dropped me off at this car wash in a city I didn't know, and he drove off. I was looking around at my life. I think at one point I said something along the lines of, am I really homeless or does everyone else trap themselves in these boxes and, and taking pride and, or at least finding a way to like spin the situation into a positive. And yeah. I was looking around. I, I went to this like dollar store thing, got a stuffed animal snake around my neck, got this like paper mache clown for whatever reason. I just found it like odd. And I, I just thought, like my life is kind of falling apart right now. There's no way to spin this into a positive situation. Like mm. I either sleep right here on this patch of grass or I go get help. And um, I've got plantar fasciitis. I was limping around. I was out in the hottest day of the year. It was like 117 degrees. I was blistered and sunburned head to toe. Wow. And I figured now's the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's like literally at this point, it looked like it's now or never. Uh so I uh, started walking. I went to this mental hospital. Um, it was like midnight. So they called the cops and the cops took me to the hospital. I was at this hospital before. i uh, not sure what side it's on. It's on this side. Got a, a scar from bashing in my face to a storage unit door. So I wasn't looking where I was going while I was fucked up. And I, this is the same hospital. So they, they tried to convince me at that time to get clean and there was just no talking to me there was no mm-hmm. i i was like give me a good reason to stop and then i'll stop and like they just couldn't come up with anything they're just like it's got to be you that decides like we can't decide for you and uh i go back in there and this time i don't say a word and they start connecting me with this uh with a detox center and i go there i'm there for like maybe two hours i wake up from a nap and i go to the shower i get this guy like just forcing himself on me in the shower um i go to report him but there's this long line and at this point like i'm looking around i'm i'm realizing i'm hanging out in like a homeless shelter basically Mm -hmm. and seeing all these people and i just i didn't have any voice so i went to go tell these uh attendants working there and by the time I did, he had already done it to somebody else and was off to get escorted by the police to wherever he's wow. going after that. I knew, though, at that moment, if I walked out those doors, I may never walk back in. And so mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this is going to suck. I need to deal with this. And uh, stayed there three days, went to a treatment center in Utah for a couple of weeks. It's a state-ran facility was not uh, up to my standards. They didn't let me have my phone. They didn't let me vape. They didn't let me, you know, all those things, go outside. Yeah. Uh, so I left there. Um, I was had a dealer's couch that I was staying on. All my stuff was there. But I uh, went to his house, got on his computer, looked up places that would let me keep my phone, vape, and go outside. And the first thing that popped up, they had two locations, one in Jersey, one in Florida. They, I called them up. They send me out to Jersey. And uh, yeah, so from there, I kind of started over. I had the clothes that I was wearing, an outfit and a backpack, and a laptop I no longer have. It didn't work that well. Um, 
and that was it. I didn't have my phone. I left it at the treatment center and didn't get it for another month. So, and uh, I've, out here on the East Coast, I've been able to do some pretty good things. Um, I uh, I've been dealing with a little bit recently with uh, family health illness and or family illnesses, and just being able to show up for them in ways that I didn't know was possible before. Um, or it wasn't possible before. <laughs> um, I get involved with different volunteer organizations. I went to jail at eight months sober and stayed sober. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I, I seems like I, I find all kinds of incredible things happening all the time. It certainly far from the easiest thing I've ever done. Uh, actually, I'd say a lot of days are tends to be on the harder side than on the easy side. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, but overall I've, I've accomplished a lot of things. My dad and I, you know, I mentioned taking his car on Father's Day. We went down to Key West and for, uh, for a recovery retreat. Uh, he's also in the program. Uh, he, uh, and I think it was February, March, uh, one of the two. And so now I'm rebuilding these relationships and, uh, being able to live a life that just doesn't look anything like it did before. That's incredible. That's such a roller coaster of a ride, but you've really come out the other side. So now that you're sober, what are some of the tools in your sobriety toolbox? What things do you do to help you stay sober on a day to day basis? Uh, so for one, uh, prayer and meditation, I suppose it's becoming a bigger and bigger part of my life as time goes on. I struggle a lot with mental illnesses and that helps. Um, I guess it is, you know, it's, it's all about my 12 step fellowships that I am an active member of. I do a lot of service work for them. And as part of like the, the steps I work, I do prayer meditation. This is like my personal favorite at this moment. And, uh, I try to extend a lot of grace to myself and others. Like that's, that's a huge, huge cornerstone of everything I do. So now that you are sober, who is your biggest supporter in your sobriety? Uh, so I have a few out here. Uh, when I first came out to Philadelphia, uh, it's my first time experiencing like a big city. I went to their sober uh, meeting, the sober and gay meeting over here. And uh, a lot of people were there just like helping me out left and right. If you need a job, if you need a place to stay, there's reco this recovery house. I got to manage a recovery house for six months. I... Um, yeah, so I've got a, I've quite a few people here. There's a few I can list off the top of my head and a few that seems like everyone has a, a role to play in my mm -hmm. life now. Um, a very beneficial one. And my sponsor is a big uh, piece of it now. That's fantastic. Um, so now that you are sober, what are some new plans and goals that have emerged in your life? Uh, so my birthday is coming up. <laughs> um, I'm just kind of realizing, uh, you know, my biggest plan right now is to live life. Like this is a chance I didn't have before and uh, everything that goes with that. So um, I'm planning on going back to school, you know, celebrating my birthday, just developing a career, getting, uh, maintaining better relationships, uh, healthy relationships. Like just, it's, it sounds so crazy to me to say it out loud because those are just things I just never had any interest in before. But it's just life now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, once you get out of 
you know, this incredibly, you know, painful cycle. It's like the littlest things that everyone else in the world takes for granted really do kind of hit home. Like you said, your birthday, it's like everyone has a birthday. Everyone celebrates a birthday, but when you're sober and you finally can like show up for it. Second year's coming up as well. And that to me is so insane. Uh, just how quick it flew by. <laughs> right. You know, like the first year I just wanted that, uh, that one year so bad i really didn't believe that i could do it i got that it felt like it took so long and then the second year it's like where'd the time go right yeah i thought my same thing with me that first year like i was just counting those months and i was like i can't wait for one year one year one year and now all of a sudden i just celebrated three so it was like two and three was boom 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 so i totally feel that i feel that energy (laughs) so um if you could give one piece of advice to a newly sober person, what would it be? Uh, I like the acronym HOPE. Uh, hold on, pain ends. Um, throughout all the things that life's tribulations, like, it's going to come. It's going to come whether you're sober. It's going to come while you're using it. It's going to come. But mm-hmm. uh, just hold on. Like, keep pushing. You'll get through it. I haven't heard that one. That's really good. I like that. I just wrote it down, actually. So that's that's awesome. That acronym is pretty meaningful um next question is kind of hard um if you could give one piece of advice to someone who is dealing with a loved one that is in current active addiction what would it be Uh, yeah (laughs) i understand Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, i i think set personal boundaries um in my time in the rooms i've definitely you know these people maybe not my brother or sister, but I've definitely seen some people go in and out and the natural way of things, it seems like, and just try not to get overly invested um, because there's only so much that I can personally do as one person. And I can do a lot, but I can only do so much. Um, I run an organization here in Boston called Sober Gay Sunday, and we do things like axe throwing and paint night and beach, uh, like beach parties and stuff like that. So if you could have one dream activity for sober gay sunday what would it be that money is no object first of all i've seen the pictures and i would love to attend because it looks like awesome uh Mm -hmm. second uh bungee jumping i am a huge adrenaline junkie um and i just just the jumping down or uh, that that to me is like a version of getting high that is just uncomparable i've never been uh it's Mm -hmm. the idea of it all is so enticing to me so couple of the guys in my group who are the biggest like the most jacked dudes in my group one of them is so afraid of heights like we went rock climbing and he was like where is the easiest i'm like you're like this big dude and you're just like no 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 i can't get off the ground i was like no he would he would hate that but i think that's a really fun idea so um now that we're kind of wrapping up um where can people find you on social media um, I have my Instagram, LuckyLeo0804. That's pretty much the best one. I don't really have Twitter. Uh, TikTok, HunterBergman46, I believe. Um, yeah, and Facebook as well, just my first and last name. Although I think I may <laughs> run out of allowed friends at some point. <laughs> So, Hunter, this has been a really great interview. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I really appreciate it, and we will hopefully hear from you soon. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share, and comment. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sober Gay Sunday. You can also email me directly at SoberGaySunday at gmail.com. 
Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay sober, guys. I'm so sick of small talk and tell me something jar-topping in me on my head with your biggest mistakes. I don't watch a daily drama, fill me in on family traumas, tell me all the medication that you take. Cause life's so short, we're playing so fast to not say anything at all. It's wasted breath, you don't get back.